the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through the Gospel of John. The Roman government comes along and says to the Jews, you no longer have the right to be killing anybody based on your law. You have to submit to the Roman law. And if you want to kill anybody under your law, you have to check with us. And if we think they're guilty of Roman law, then we'll kill them. So this is why they're coming to Pilate. We don't have the right to to stone anybody anymore. And so we're coming to you. It says in verse 32, this happened so that the words Jesus had spoken indicating the kind of death he was going to die would be fulfilled. The more you read about the details surrounding Jesus' trial, the more frustrated you can become. You can just feel the manipulation, the lies, and the blatant attempts to frame God's Son. It isn't pretty. But today, Pastor Gary wants to make sure you don't miss something very important. This was all in God's plan. Every misdirection and shady dealing that happened brought Jesus closer to his purpose, to die for the sins of the world. Without it all, we would have no hope. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of John chapter 18, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. And so now here he is. Here's the other disciple. It's really John and Simon Peter were following Jesus. And it says, because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, John, who was known to the high priest, thank you, came back, spoke to the girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You know, it's not what you know, people. It's who you know. And John, in a discreet way, is saying, I know some peeps. You know what I'm saying to you? I know the high priest. I'll get you in, Peter. Come on, follow me. And so in comes Peter. Now, when Peter comes in, uh uh-oh, here comes first denial. Verse 17, you're not one of his disciples, are you? The girl at the door asked Peter. He replied, I am not. Okay, remember Jesus told Peter in advance, you will deny me, even knowing me, three times before the rooster crows. This is denial number one. I am not. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple, where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby struck him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testifies to what is wrong. 
But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? And then Annas sent him, still bound, to Caiaphas, the high priest. Okay, so here we're working down the list. Now he's going to be handed off to Caiaphas. Verse 25, as Simon Peter stood warming himself, he was asked, You are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. Denial number two. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? Again, Peter denied it, and at that moment, a rooster began to crow. Now, John also leaves out the fact that Peter went off and wept uh, because he was, he was stricken with you know, grief and, um, and shame. He realized that he had done exactly what Jesus told him he was going to do by denying that he even knew Jesus. And why was he doing it? I mean, it's clear he was doing it because he was saving his own skin. You know, lest we point a finger and think, you know, shame on you, Peter, unless any of us can ever say completely, 100%, that we've never in some small way denied Jesus, you know, pretended that we didn't know him, didn't stand up for the truth, had an opportunity to tell about our faith in Jesus, but decided, nah, I'm a little too embarrassed, or I don't want to, you know, I don't want to offend, or I don't want to, whatever, whatever excuses we come up with, then unless you can 100% say, oh, I've never done that, then none of us should point a finger at Peter. Because under the pressure of that moment, he did something that probably most of us would do. I mean, let's not pat ourselves too, too much on the back and think, oh, yeah, I wouldn't have done that. I would have stood up for Jesus. To the... It says all of his disciples deserted him and fled. All of them. At some point, even John will, who knows the high priest, they all deserted him and fled. Now, they'll come back, and there's this beautiful chapter, the last chapter of the Gospel of John. You don't want to miss it, but it's when Jesus restores him, and Jesus will ask him three questions and give Peter the same opportunity to affirm his love for Jesus three times in the same way that he denied knowing Jesus three times. So the beauty of it all is is that even even though Peter was one of the great failures in terms of Jesus, he's also one of the great redemptive stories. And some of you might feel like you have failed Jesus. You have done things to offend him, to wrong him. You've been ashamed of him. You've been embarrassed of him. But the last chapter's not yet been written on your life. And the last chapter written for Peter was Jesus restored him. And then Peter's the one in Acts chapter 2 who preaches the first evangelical message of the New Testament church and 3,000 people get saved. So God is never finished with us. No matter what you feel like you've done, God is never finished with us, and he's the God of restoration and redemption, and certainly Peter is an example of that. Well, verse uh, 28, then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. Okay, here's Pilate now. Pilate is Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilatus is the, is the governor of this area appointed by Rome. Uh, Pontius Pilate was a bloodthirsty governor. He was threatened by Caesar to be recalled to Rome because he was killing a lot of people. He was just randomly killing people. And Caesar had, history tells us that Emperor Caesar had warned Pontius Pilate, you start, you, you kill any more people as indiscriminately as you're doing, you'll be recalled to Rome. You'll be stripped of your charge. You won't be governor anymore. You're going to be, you'll live in obscurity. So he was, he's, un, you have to keep that in mind because he is now under that threat. Because, and now he's going to be asked to do something and to kill Jesus. 
And he's, and he's, the same time you're going to hear the Jewish crowd demanding for him to make a decision to have Jesus killed. Don't you know that Pilate is also hearing in the back of his head the words of Caesar who have threatened him. You, you start indiscriminately killing people like you've been doing, there's going to be trouble. You're going to be, you're going to be showing up at the principal's office. So you don't be killing people like this anymore. So, but here, here he comes. Jesus comes to Pontius Pilate. And now it says, by now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? Now, the Jews didn't want to ceremonially defile themselves because it was the feast of Passover. They had to keep themselves clean, and it would be defiled, according to Jewish customs, to go into the home of a Gentile. Gentiles are considered unclean. And so Pontius Pilate is a Gentile. He's a Roman. He's not a Jew. And the Gentiles don't want to go into the palace of Pilate because that would make them ceremonially unclean. So Pilate has to come out to them. So he comes out to them. He says, what charges do you have against this man? Now, Luke's gospel, if you want to write in the margin of your Bible, 23.2, Luke 23.2, tells us what they charge Jesus with. John doesn't spell it out here. But it tells us basically they charge Jesus with sedition against the Roman government. That's their charge, sedition against the Roman government. They want Rome to kill him on the basis of sedition, that Jesus professes to be a king, and there's only one king, and that's Caesar. So if he professes to be a king, then that's sedition against the Roman Empire, against the Roman government, so he should be killed on that grounds. But they have their own reason that he should be killed. You're going to see it a little further down in the text. Verse 30, they say, If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone the Jews objected. Now, in A.D. 30, about two to three years before Jesus is crucified... The Roman government stripped the Jewish people of, the, of their right to execute those that they felt broke Jewish law. You know, there's plenty of law in the, in the Old Testament which gave the Jews the right to stone people to death if they violated some of God's commandments. But the Roman government comes along and says to the Jews, you no longer have the right to be killing anybody based on your law. You have to submit to the Roman law. And if you want to kill anybody under your law, you have to check with us. And if we think they're guilty of Roman law, then we'll kill them. So this is why they're coming to Pilate. We don't have the right to, to stone anybody anymore. And so we're coming to you. It says in verse 32, this happened so that the words Jesus had spoken indicating the kind of death he was going to die would be fulfilled. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. 
Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Now, before we read further, what Jesus says there is a little odd to our ears unless we understand the reason behind it. If somebody asked you anything related to your life, you would say the first part. If you have some grand mission that you feel like you were born for, you would say, well, I was born to do this. You know, and, so, and some of you have certain passions in life, and, and you can you use that expression, I was born for this, I was born to do this. But Jesus adds, he says, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world. Now, none of us would add that part, but this is a statement about how Jesus has always existed, being co-equal and co-eternal with God. You know your Christmas cards? How they love to quote from Isaiah? And Isaiah 9, 6 talks about, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. Why those two terms? Same similar terms that Jesus is using. For this cause I was born, and for this reason I came into the world. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. Because Jesus was not simply born in human terms. Though he was born of a virgin, the seed of God implanted into a virgin's womb, Mary. Jesus experienced real birth, a real physical, natural birth. But he came into the world. This was not the beginning or the creation of Jesus. Jesus has always existed. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Always he's existed, co-eternal and co-equal with God. So he's coming into the world, taking on flesh to be as we are, to die for us. So that's why he uses these terms, same terms that Isaiah uses in Isaiah 9, 6. And then Jesus adds this part. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And Pilate responds with the age-old question that has been asked even centuries before Pilate. Aristotle, Socrates, great philosophers of, of, of previous millennium have been asking, what is truth. That's what Pilate says in response. What is truth? Pilate asked. Now I love when Jesus says this because he's making a definitive statement that everything that he is about is truth. You know, we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, John tells us back in chapter 1. So Jesus is the personification of truth. And that is why, folks, as we live out our lives and we honor the truth of God's Word and we, and we understand that what Jesus says about right and wrong is not going to be popular or politically correct in our world. Jesus makes a lot of statement about truth. And His very life is the personification of truth. And we are called to live lives of truth because Jesus said, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. So, you know, don't tell me things about, well, you know, I know what the Bible says, but I believe this. Well, then you're not on the side of truth. Because Jesus said, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. So if we are listening to the full context and counsel of God's word and we're doing what it says, then we can say we're on the side of truth. But every other thought, ideal, or philosophy that opposes itself to the word of God is not on the side of truth. Jesus makes this statement. Pilate then says, what is truth? And it says, with this he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. 
And then right about here is where Pilate sends Jesus to Herod because because Pilate finds out that Jesus is a Galilean. He's from the region of the Galilee, around the Sea of Galilee, and that is Herod's territory. So Pilate passes him off. Well, he's a Galilean. I'm going to let Herod deal with this. So Luke tells us that in chapter 23. But continuing here, verse 39, But it is your custom for me to release you to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? Meaning Jesus. They shouted back, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. So it was custom in that time that the Roman government would release a Jewish prisoner. Who do you want me to release? Why don't I just release Jesus back to you? Pilate does not want to have to kill Jesus. He knows the words of Caesar. He's afraid to do this. He says, I'm going to hand him back to you. I'm going to pass him off to Herod. I'm going to do everything I can not to have to deal with this. And they say to him, we don't want, we don't want Jesus. We want Barabbas. Give us that rebellious guy who you've arrested and he's in prison. Send us Barabbas, which is interesting. And I've pointed this out in the other Gospels as well. The Barabbas in Hebrew translates bar meaning son, abah meaning father. His name Barabbas means son of the father. So give us the illegitimate son of the father and crucify the legitimate son of the father. It's a very interesting kind of a play on words there. Chapter 19. we got a few more minutes. Let's see how far we can get. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. You see this internal battle that's happening with Pilate? I don't want to do this. The Jews insisted, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the Son of God. Now, here's their real reason for wanting to kill him. They present the idea of sedition to the Roman government, but their real basis is, we think it's blasphemy, the things he's been saying. He proclaims to be the Son of God. And in the Jewish mindset, they understood, if you proclaim to be the Son of God, the Son of God is a Messianic title. You proclaim yourself to be God, and therefore it's blasphemous to their ears. That's the real reason. But they can't execute Him because they don't have the authority anymore. And verse 8 says, when Pilate heard this, he claims to be the Son of God, he was even more afraid. And he went back inside to the palace. Where do you come from, he asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. Now note, you know, Romans 13 tells us that there's no authority except that which God has established. God has established government authority. And Jesus is saying to Pilate, you wouldn't even have any power at all except that God has allowed you to be in a place of authority. And then that other part there about 
the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. You get into these great theological debates about are there degrees of sin? Are there worse sins than other sins? Generally speaking, no. There are sometimes greater consequences and ramifications because of certain sins than other sins. But as far as, you know, our sin separating us from God, pretty equal. But here, there seems to be an exception to that. Because Jesus calls out Judas, really the one who handed him over, is guilty of a greater sin. And from then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. Okay, He does not want to kill Jesus. But the Jews kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. And when Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of Passover week, about the sixth hour. Now it switches here to Roman time. Sixth hour is 6 a.m. Here's basically an estimated timeline for Jesus' crucifixion. This is, this is very generalized, okay? We don't know exactly. Some of these we know exactly, but not all of them. So for the arrest, it doesn't give us the time of his arrest, but it is generally thought somewhere around 1 o'clock in the morning, Jesus is arrested at the Garden of Gethsemane. Then between 2 and 5 a.m. roughly, he is handed over to Annas and then Caiaphas. He goes to Pilate first and then to Herod after that and then back to Pilate. And all of that happens within about 2 to 5 a.m. So all of this is all in the middle of the night. And then by the, the second time that Pilate gets Jesus, it is 6 o'clock in the morning. That's what this verse tells us. It was the day of preparation of Passover week, about the sixth hour. So we're talking 6 a.m. So this is the time when Pilate is going to actually sentence Jesus to death, 6 o'clock in the morning. The rooster has just crowed, so somewhere between 5 and 6 a.m. The rooster's crowing at the first light of dawn, and, and it's the sixth hour. After that, the Bible is specific. It tells us that he's actually crucified at 9 a.m., It tells us the Bible is very specific that between the hours of 12 noon and 3 p.m., darkness covers the whole uh, land, and then Jesus actually dies, breathes his last, gives up his spirit at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So this is the timeline. First part is generalized. The last part is specifically detailed in Scripture. So it's now about 6 a.m., And uh, here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews, but they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked? We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. And finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So he acquiesces. You see here a very tormented man. Pilate doesn't want to crucify Jesus. Uh, The other Gospels, one of the other Gospels tells us that even Pilate's wife comes to him and says, I had a dream about this man. You better not have anything to do with Jesus. So Pilate is getting it from all sides. He's got the Jewish people, particularly the leaders, asking him, crucify Jesus. He's got his wife saying, you better not have anything to do with this guy. And he's got Caesar, emperor, Caesar in his ear saying, if you kill another person indiscriminately, you're going to be recalled to Rome. History tells us. History tells us, not the Bible. History tells us that shortly after this, Caesar will be recalled to Rome. And history tells us that he commits suicide. So Pontius Pilate, a very tormented man in more ways than one, and uh, his own life will be irreparably damaged because of his own uh, decision here. 
Um, but these are the events leading up to the crucifixion of Christ, and uh, we'll pick it up there next week at the at the place of the crucifixion. And you know, here's here's the incredible beauty of all this. Um, in the midst of such an ugly scene, is that Jesus willingly laid down his life for you and me. And that's the beauty of this story. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Pastor Gary's been going through the book of John. If you missed any part of this message, you can hear it again on our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. You might want to download our mobile app so you have these teachings with you on the go. That way you'll never miss a message from Pastor Gary's studies, and you'll always have encouragement from God's Word at your fingertips. Find a link to download the app for your iPhone or Android device at our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. While you're there, feel free to take some time to learn about the church this radio ministry originates from, Cornerstone Chapel. We'd love to meet you. Please join us for worship and Bible study. You'll find all you need to know about service times and other info on our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. We hope and pray you've been blessed by today's teaching in the book of John. Please know that we're praying for you too. Although we're out of time for today, keep reading on your own in the book of John until Pastor Gary continues teaching through this extraordinary account of Jesus' life on Cornerstone Connection. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.